So many of you know that come here that I've had kind of a theme this year that we've touched on in this summertime called the Summer of Faith. And we've been talking a lot about what it means to abide in the Lord and to truly bear fruit in this life and um, to manifest heaven in the world. And so today I wanted to start off with just our, I think Kalen called them refrigerator scriptures, the type of scriptures that we, we know very well that have been quoted probably if you're a Christian for some, some while, you've heard it a lot. But I want to start the message off today with Hebrews 11, verse 1 through 3. Talk about what faith is and the reality of what the Christian walk truly is. Which is that we've been redeemed, yes, but we've been given access. We've been given access and the mandate to be fruitful and multiply. To release light and heaven itself over the entire world. The very prayer that Jesus gave us to pray, you know. Luke 11, your kingdom come. Hey, Dad, your kingdom come. Your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Manifest heaven on earth. Let it be done in and through us. And so that's what I want to talk about. And we do this by faith. But Hebrews 11:1. 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know, we can read through that really fast. And it kind of is a, it's kind of a, a tongue twister or a brain twister in a sense. But faith is the substance, meaning like the setting, the, the substructure, the foundation of that which is hoped for. So faith and hope, they literally go hand in hand. They, they literally go together. And, and if, if you really want to, to, to dice that up, faith is like the, the substructure, this large concrete pad, so to speak, in this building that we're in. That there's, there's, there's been space, there's been room, there's been a foundation laid and created in expectation for that which we're hoping for. So faith comes as we, we have these expectations in our relationship to the Lord. We understand what our mandate is, literally, to be fruitful, multiply, that heaven would, would invade the earth, but we actually create space for it. Faith can be act, activation. You know, faith without works is dead. We actually, we, there's this chain reaction, like we grab hold of faith and hope, and we make room for heaven to manifest in our lives. We're aware that we're called to manifest heaven in our lives, right? So faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence. That word evidence is, is like the same word that we have for conviction. It's the proof. It's the conviction of things not seen. See, we've, we've been kind of, unfortunately, there's kind of brainwashed with that word conviction, right? We've taken that John 16 that the Holy Spirit was given to convict of sin, and we think that that is biblical and that, that God's voice in our life exists to tell us when we're messing up, which couldn't be further from the truth, you know. John 16 says, the, when, when he has come, he will reprove or convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of unbelief. Of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, and of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. So this convict that we see in Hebrews 1, it's the same as that convict that we see in John 16, 8. It's this, this, it's this proving of, of an eternal truth. And Jesus is telling his disciples, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, he in you will convict the world of sin because of unbelief. He will, he will change their minds from unbelieving to believing. He will convict the world of righteousness. He will convict the world of judgment. Not because judgment's coming, turn or burn, but because, as it says there, as Jesus said in red, because the ruler of this world is, is judged. So all of this happens. This, this Hebrews 
11, this, this Holy Spirit of John 16, this manifestation of what conviction truly is, is people who are empowered by faith to manifest a reality that trumps this reality. Okay, Hebrews 11, 1, 2, and 3. I'll read one again. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And then it goes on to say, by faith, in verse 3, we understand that the worlds were framed. Some of your, you know, if you're in ESV, it might say universe. The worlds, the planets, the cosmos were framed by the word of God so that what is seen was not made of things which are visible. That's a really interesting one as well. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that what is seen was not made of things that are visible. You've heard me say a lot of times, you know, there's a lot of people believe that we live in a simulation, right? Elon Musk, I believe we're living in a simulation. That's how he talks, right? I believe we are living in a simulation. It's quite possible, right? That's what he thinks. He thinks there's, we're in some type of computer program and there's something more real on the outside of it. But that idea is actually not original, you know? It's actually in the Bible and it, and it comes from this reality, not a computer simulation but the reality that by faith we understand that the worlds, the planetary systems, all of the natural creation was framed by the word of God. So that that which was made was made by something that was not visible. There's something more real. There's a, there's a reality that's more real and, and, and legitimate than this one, which created this one. The king of heaven, the unseen realm, the realm of faith. And by faith, it says that we are convinced that this place is not as real as that place. Man, that's a kind of a strange, that's kind of a mind bender. But it's, it's, it's the Bible. It's Jesus coming around constantly like Matthew 10, 7. Hey, go and preach and tell people that the kingdom of, hand, of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven, the unseen kingdom of which I am representing, is actually here. It's among you. He told the Pharisees, it is within you. Heaven is here, it is now, it exists, and your minds have been veiled to it by this present age. You know, does this sound like we're like in a Star Wars meeting or something? Do I need to back up kind of like an X-Men show or something like uh, one of these type of deals? But it is this, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. It's like if I hold a picture of Nicole up, she's in childcare today, but if I hold a picture of Nicole up, I say, this is Nicole. And you say, yeah, that's her for sure, you know what I mean? But it's not literally her. It's a picture of her in a two-dimensional, it's been framed up by this little piece of paper. But there is a real Nicole. This is the representation of it, but there's one that's much more real and she's back there and we call her the big lady at my house, you know? So the big lady or big mama, you know, that's, that's Nicole, that's the real version, you know what I mean? She goes by many names. Um, uh, but the reality is, this, this, all of creation was framed in, like a picture, on a two-dimensional frame, by something on the outside that's more real and more legitimate. And that's actually where we're from. That's who we're from. And faith, uh, or Hebrews 11.3 says, by faith we actually understand this reality. We understand, this is what faith is, understanding that this place is temporary and even plastic compared to that which is real. And if you back up to Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the, is the substance, the setting, the substrate, the foundation of those things we hope for. We partner with the Holy Spirit. We partner with God in faith to bring about His vision and His, His, 
his master plan of what creation looks like. And we create space for it in our lives because we have faith and faith is a tractor beam that actually ushers it into this reality. It's simple and it's profound, um, but everything about what Jesus did in New Covenant Christianity was to empower us, was to redeem us and empower us to be his ambassadors. You know, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, he will reprove the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. Like, he will come upon you in such a way that you will convince people, convict, reprove, prove evidence of things not seen. You will have evidence of the unseen kingdom that will manifest until the kingdom stretches over the entire earth. That's Christianity, y'all. It's pretty simple, but it's, it's profound. You know, when he comes upon you, when the spirit comes upon you, my spirit, Acts 1.8, Jesus says, you will be my witnesses here, Judea, all over the world, he said, Acts 1.8. You will be an ambassador of a kingdom that you're called to represent, a kingdom that is within you, that by faith you're going to learn to step in and start to see like I see, and there will be, an, there will be what we can call an open heaven, an, the release of heaven into the world to transform it into the way I called it to be from the, from, from the foundation of it. You know, it's, it's, this, it's this, this beautiful thing. Go and say the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, it's like the eternal kingdom of heaven is here and you guys haven't known it. It's the most brilliant, present, pleasant surprise that we're called to actually share. You know, And this is what I wanted to maybe talk a little bit about today, that um, Jesus is that access. Like, Christianity is profoundly mystical and supernatural. And it has never stopped being so. Because even at its very roots, it is about people awakening. Wake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. Mankind awakening to the reality that we are the conduits of heaven, the carriers of the kingdom of heaven himself. You know, Christ within us, the very hope of glory that unlocks all of creation. And we can come to the place where we actually see like him and we walk around calling those things that are not as though they are. Speaking the life and light and plan of God, even in spots where, that look dead, that look like dry bones, that people that have, have completely morphed into an identity that is not theirs because there's their experiences in this fallen world, but an ability to see by the spirit of who people truly are. Edification, exhortation, comfort, all that is of the prophetic words of the, of the Bible, like being able to see things as though they are with vision, not just business vision, what will grow and what will cause us great success. There's a place for that, but actually there's something so much more profound than that, which is seeing into the, the, the identity of God inside of his kids, right? Jesus said that, like, you know, letting the children come to him. Jesus, I think it was Matthew 10, actually, if I want to look over there. But he said something so profound about what it means to literally see by the Spirit. And um, let me see here. Well, I'm not going to be able to find that in this. But he said about letting kids come to him, he says, the, their angels always see the face of my Father in heaven. You see a child, but their angels always see the face of my Father in heaven. It's like even the very least of the people that we walk around with, that we run into in this life, the angels, those who see from the outside in, see, see the face of sons and daughters of God himself. And when we are trained to walk in this way, 
that Revelation 19.10, the testimony of Jesus, the very spirit of prophecy, which prophecy isn't some mystical, you know, hula thing. It's actually being able to see according to the new covenant of what Jesus has accomplished and speak into that everywhere we go into all creation and watch it be transformed. And this is what Jesus does. And that's, that's, I think that's one of the reasons why we're talking about learning to abide in the Lord. We're talking about walking by faith and we're talking about identity. Those three things kind of feel like they've been cycling through us during this year and during the summer even, but they're, they are so profoundly important. And, um, you know, that quote that I said, you know, the kingdom of heaven is, is at hand, like the eternal king of heaven, the kingdom of heaven is here. And I did not know it this entire time is actually a quote that, um, Jacob, the, you know, who Israel's actually named after stepped into when, when he saw Jacob's ladder. And I don't, I don't know if I can really do that whole story justice, but I might do a little cliff notes of Genesis 25, because I really want to do Jesus' introduction to some of the disciples, because Jesus comes and he announces himself as the portal of heaven, the gateway, the portal, and the ladder of heaven. And these Jewish guys fully and totally understood what he meant. And I feel like it's profound for us. But in order to do that, I'm going to step back into Genesis just really quick. We know that, you know, in Genesis 12, God chose Abraham to make a nation out of him. If you want to step back to Genesis 11 and Genesis 10, you know, there was a great rebellion in the earth. They call it the Tower of Babel. There was all kind of other gods down here. And basically what happened is God starts over with mankind. And he says, well, you guys are scattered all over the entire world, but I'm going to pick one guy and I'm going to be his God and I'm going to make a nation out of him. And so the national, you know, Israel is birthed out of this man named, named Abraham. And the first thing that he tells Abraham to do is like to get up and get out of your country and, and out of your family and out of your father's house. And I'm going to make a great nation out of you and I'm going to bless you. And so Abraham goes on this journey. Hebrews 11, I think it's 11, 8 says that he goes without knowing where he's going. And so this walk by faith starts with one person who's this great patriarch. And he has his son named Isaac um, who, who received the same blessing of the Lord than Isaac, if you know some of the stories, has, has twins, but um, Esau and Jacob, but you know, Jacob came out second, so he wasn't the firstborn, but it's a long story. Jacob ends up, um, let me turn over there real quick, but Jacob ends up buying his birthright as the firstborn son by a bowl of stew. So that's an interesting story. We won't, we won't spend too much time on that, but what ends up happening is Jacob gets the birthright and the blessing from his dad. It's said that he stole it, but I don't think he stole it. He bought it fair and square with his red stew. And he, he literally goes off to pursue this heavenly inheritance, which we know now ends up being Christianity. He thinks he's getting the inheritance of his, of his grandfather, Abraham, and his, and, his, and his dad, Isaac, who was extremely wealthy and successful. He, he, had, a, he, he had so much success that even in, in Genesis 26, Isaac... During, during a drought and during a famine, Isaac was so blessed of God that he had a hundredfold multiplication through all of his, his business, what he had. You know, he was, he was so in, in, incredi incredibly prosperous. But getting to Jacob, we have this story of this place called, you know, uh, Jacob's Ladder in, Gen in Genesis 28. And so Jacob ends up basically, like I said, buying, air quotes, his birthright 
from his twin brother while he was hungry and then tricking his dad by, by putting on a putting on a furry coat to pretend that he was his brother. You can kind of read those things. Many of you know this type of this aspect of the Bible. So he does this stuff, but what he ends up doing is he's sent off from his family again, just kind of like his grandfather was. It's time to get out from your country. It's time to get away from your father's house and move on and start your own family and do all these things. But he goes to this place while he's, while he's leaving Beersheba and he goes to Haran, towards Haran, but he stops in a very certain place and he stays there all night, Genesis 28, 11. And when he stays there, he camps. For some reason, he takes one of the stones of that place and put it under his head and he laid down on that place to sleep, which doesn't sound like a comfortable pillow, but there's something very profound about this. And it says, he dreamed and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth and its top reached to heaven and the angels of God were there ascending and descending upon it. And it says, and behold, the Lord stood above it. Jehovah stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and of God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I'm going to give to you and your descendants. Also to your descendants shall be the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So here's this guy. His name is Jacob, which is like supplanter, deceiver. He has a sketchy upbringing, which is very prophetic for all of us. None of this was because he was a good guy. It was all by grace. And, and God shows up and he says, behold, I'm with you. I'm going to keep you wherever you go and bring you back to this land. We have the first, you know, this prophetic picture of this promised land that he says, I won't leave until I've done all that I've spoken to you. And Jacob awakes from his sleep and he says, surely the Lord is in this place and I didn't know it. And he was afraid. He said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. So here we have this concept. This is a real experience that he had, but a concept that I need to drive home before we talk about Jesus. Because Jacob, the patriarch, who ends up wrestling with God three chapters later, four chapters later, and having his name changed to Israel, the very one whom Israel derives their name from, this wrestled with God, prince with God, both of those are in there. This change of identity is, is the name of the people of Israel to this very day. And this, this guy is marked by being the one who, this is the first mention we've ever heard of the house of God or the gateway or the gate of God. And if you can see it, he's camping, he's on this pilgrimage. He's, he's left everything he knows in order to follow God. And in doing this, he lays his head upon the rock, who Jesus is the rock, right? He lays his mind upon the rock. He's not living by logic in a five-year plan. He's living by the kingdom and following God. And as he sleeps, he recognizes and realizes he sees a stairway to heaven. It's a, it says ladder, but it's kind of it's kind of Pink Floyd, you know, it's kind of stairway. It's kind of more like a stairway is what it kind of seems like uh, in the language. So either one goes, but he sees the Lord's physical being. He sees Jesus, Yahweh embodied, standing above it. And he sees angels ascending and descending, which means going up and coming down. And it also says that the ladder was actually set up on the earth. All of these things were very prophetic of what Jesus was going to do, what he was going to establish for us, but what Christianity truly really was. Because here was somebody leaving every bit of his lineage, every bit of his inheritance, 
and receiving an inheritance, stepping into his true inheritance. Stepping into the one who knew him and changed his name. And can you imagine this? this is, that's, so that's our recap before we're going to go to John 1. Hopefully did that good and quick and didn't lose nobody. But you imagine how many times Jesus meets people, both in the Old Testament, because he was the embodiment of Yahweh. He's the angel of the Lord. And in the New Testament, and he speaks to them and changes their name on the spot. But it's, you know, kind of seems kind of rude. But in a sense, to give somebody a nickname from the, from the jump. Just change the name from the jumps. Like, well, that's kind of mean, you know. But in reality, he didn't change their name. He knew them before the foundation of the earth, the Creator. You know, remember that First Corinthians two. If the rulers of this world would have known, they would have never crucified the Lord of Glory. Nobody knew who Jesus truly was. The enemy didn't either. Son of God, maybe, but they didn't understand Yahweh's body walking around. So the Creator's walking around naming people, just like he did when he wrestled Jacob. And changed his name to to Israel, or you know, go through his grandfather Abram, changed his name to Abraham. Like he meets people and says, "Well, this is who you truly are." And man, this is the walk of Christianity, and this is something that unlocks people more than anything that I've ever seen. Is having an encounter with God and coming to know who they truly are. Maya Song, she wrote that beautiful, huh? That first one. Everything you are is who I want to be. Everything that you're inspired about in the person of the Lord is, is, is connected to your DNA, your spiritual DNA. There's a reason it comes alive to you. Because yeah. it's everything he is. We're from him. You know. You know, we've taken on an identity that was not ours to take on. But he's bringing us back to the future. He's, he's taking us out of that mentality and understanding the belovedness of God and how he's covered all things and he's leading us into the truth of our identity. And with our identity comes our function, which is the images of God created in his image, which is to release heaven everywhere we go. Yeah, to make disciples, right? So I'm going to start maybe in John 1. I'm going to start. You're like, man, how long is this going to be? No, no, don't worry. It's where we're halfway, three-quarters way done. Uh, so anyway, so, but I want to start in John because I read this story this week and it inspired me. I was sitting in it, and so I said, well, let's just, let's bring this to the house, you know. But it's, it's the story of Jesus meeting some of the guys. If you start in John 1, maybe 29, John the Baptist has actually recognized Jesus. He's actually baptized Jesus, and he's seen the Spirit descend upon him like a dove. He has a prophetic word. He has connection to God who says, whoever you see the Spirit descending and staying upon, that's the one. That's the Messiah. That's the Son. So John sees him, and he calls out about him twice. Verse 29 of John 1, the next day, John sees Jesus coming towards him, and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Boom, Christianity is defined in one thing. Behold. Well, what do we got to do? Like, you don't do anything. You watch that he takes it away. He's taken it away. It's controversial, but it's so plain, and it's so beautiful. This is he of whom I said, there comes somebody after me, preferred before me, he was before me. I didn't know him, but, but that he should be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness speaking of him. In verse 35 it says, again the next day John stood with two of his disciples. And looking at Jesus, he walked, as he walked, he said, this time, I guess in earshot of these guys, behold, that's the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, 
and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following, said to them, what do you seek? Or was like, what is your purpose in following me? Like, what are you guys doing? This is so beautiful to see Yahweh, dad, walking around costumed. And these guys, John, who's not a territorial minister, saying, that's the one, but stay with me. No, he, there's no second. There's like, he's the one. And his guys instantly follow, follow Jesus. You know what I mean? And um, what do you guys see? They said to him, Rabbi, where, where do you stay? Where do you abide? That's our word. That's what's there. He said, come and see. He said, come and see. That's another song they wrote. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with, him, remained with him that day. Imagine that. You meet him one day and you're staying at his house. But there's something about him. This isn't strange. It's like, who, like, where are you, like, what is it that you want? You know, heal my mom, do something special, tickle my ears. It's just like, we want to know where it is you live. There's, there's a complete, there's like, I want to just live where you live. There's something in the hearts of all mankind that sees Allah, that sees the Lord and says, wait, 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 I want, I want what, I'm, I'm with you, right? Can I just be with you? And that is right. Come on and see. One of the two that heard John speak was Andrew. I think the other one was actually John. So this is Andrew and John. Um, one of the two that heard John speak and say that, you know, this is the lamb, was Andrew, who was Peter's brother, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, hey, we found the Messiah. And he brought him to Jesus. When Jesus looked at Simon, he said, you're Simon, the son of Jonah, son of John. But you, you shall be called Cephas, or Kepha. You know, it's, it's an Aramaic word, but it's like, imagine that. He shows up, this captain of a fishing fleet shows up, and, he's, and, he, and he changes his name on the spot. Like, oh no, it's, it's like, I actually know you but I know you, I really know you, you know. Doesn't say he kicked back at the nickname or anything like that. It's just like he accepted it. Like he's a boss. He's a boss. He has crews under him. People probably don't normally talk to him like that. I'm going to call you this. Okay. <laughs> you know, okay. The following day, Jesus wanted to go, to go to Galilee. So he walks up on somebody named Philip and he just says, hey, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida. Can you imagine this? this? This eternal voice that sounds so incredibly familiar to you, but you've never heard it before. But they were in him before the foundations of the earth. So something in their spirit, <clears throat> follow me. It's right. It's right for me to follow you. You're my home. You know. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. So they were all from around there. So Philip goes and finds this guy named Nathaniel. Uh-oh. Here comes Nathaniel. He says, We found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathaniel said to him, This is great. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? <laughs> Philip said, Here's our line. It's Jesus' line. Come and see. It's like, dude, what was he doing? Was he hovering? Was he floating around in his, come, come sit in my, 
come, come see where I'm staying. Was he doing magic tricks? Like, no, but something was coming. Well, I don't know, but something was coming alive. And there's a guy just like, we found it's, it's really him. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? I mean, would you feel, I mean, anyways. So this is the type of stuff that's coming out of old Nathaniel's mouth on the way, on the way. That's a redneck version of Nathaniel. Nathaniel. So Nathaniel's saying th negative things like this. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Like, kind of like, we found him like, Nazareth, dude, for real? Come on, man. Whatever, you know. Jesus saw Nathaniel coming towards him and said, when he sees, <laughs> when he sees Philip bringing Nathaniel, he goes, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. This guy has a pure motive and a pure heart. It's like, dude, this guy just been kind of talking trash about where you're from, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what it really is. And it's like, no. It's like his heart's pure. Nathaniel says, how do you know me? And Jesus said, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I already saw you. I saw you. And so, Yeah. Nathaniel answered and said, Rabbi, you're, you're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. And it's just like, yikes, dude. So Nathaniel's the first one after John saying, this is the lamb that takes away the sin. You know, Nathaniel's the first one to mean like, you're the one. You know, we, we're going all the way to like flipping out to like John 16 towards the end of the story. Who do people say that I am? Well, some say John the Baptist raised from the dead. Some say you're one of the prophets. Well, who do you say that I am? And the only one was Peter that would say, you're the Christ, you know? And he says, blessed are you, Peter, right? For flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you. Like somebody didn't tell you this, but your Father in heaven, you got this by spiritual revelation. You've understood who I am, not by the flesh, but by the Spirit. And I've named you, I nicknamed you Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. And of this church, the very gates of hell will never be able to prevail. And this is a long time after that. But Nathaniel says, sounds like Nathaniel's on that tip on the very first jump. You know what I mean? Now, granted, it was something stirring in his heart. It doesn't mean he fully owned it and believed this reality. But he was so impressed by the reality that Jesus said, Before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. There was something so personal that happened to him under that fig tree. We don't know what it was. We can only speculate. Maybe he was in prayer. Maybe he was in crisis. Maybe he, was, maybe he had a, a spiritual experience with God. You know what I'm saying? That he, that he realized I was seen or I was known or, you know, something happened there. Maybe he was crying out to God. Do you even see me? Are you even going to do anything? Israel's going to Sham. Like, Shambles, like, you know, Rome runs this place. This is, you know what I'm saying? And so for him to say that, it touched his heart in such a profound way. It was like, yo, I'm here and I saw you there. That was me you're connecting to, or that was God, or I know about this. Somehow it blew his top so much that he was like, whatever. You're the Christ. But there's something, when I was just kind of watching this like a movie, like Nathaniel was actually known. He was becoming unlocked just by seeing, by Jesus seeing him and knowing who he truly was. There was something to Jesus poking in a touching in and speaking into the reality of his true person. Even it's like we back up in the story a couple verses like that, that word's obviously off. 
you know, he's got pure motives and an Israelite within there's no deceit, there's no guile. He was talking trash a couple minutes ago. That's the wrong word. You got the wrong guy. You know what I mean? That's how we judge in the natural. But, but Jesus saw who he truly was, not as the result of Adam, not as the result of his experiences, not what he was going through, not the, not the negative Nancy that he was being when he first talked to his, his buddy. You know, he, was, he, was, he spoke right into who he was. Like, I see you. I actually know the real you. And because he spoke into his spirit, the dude comes alive. You're the Christ. You're the son of God. This is the thing. You're, this is it. It's the time. The time of visitation. It's, it's, we're, we're doing this. This is incredible. It unlocks him. There's something of identity that is unlocked in relationship to him. 2 Corinthians 3.18, we always say this. like, you know, We're the only, only religion that's transformed by whom we behold. Just like John the Baptist said, behold the Lamb, he takes away the sin of the world. Like, don't do anything else. Just behold him, watch him. It's actually grace, this thing. 2 Corinthians 3, 18, we're transformed without veils over our face. When they're removed, we see him as he is, and we're transformed from glory to glory, even into the same image, it says. The more we see him, everything he truly is, everything he is, like our DNA in us, in us comes alive, like, and it's we know him. And, we, and we, we, we release the shells and the masks and the outfits that we put on to get our needs met or to be safe or what we define as success. We, relieve, we, 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 we leave this mentality behind and we have this mentality of faith that, the, that this world is plastic compared to the reality of what I'm called to manifest in this world. We're representatives of something that's higher than this place. You know, by faith we understand that the world's the cosmos were framed, right? 11.3 of Hebrews. By the word of God, like this is the matrix and I'm living in it to actually testify of a reality that's greater than this and manifest it. Like your job and your career is not your identity. It's hardly even real. I don't mean that in a, you know, to be negative. Like you guys, some of you guys have incredible cool jobs and stuff you do and you're touching a lot of people. But what I'm saying is we all work for the CIA and we tell people we work for the phone company. You got any friends like that? <laughs> Grow up, now they're in the CIA. Like, what you doing? Oh, I'm working for the phone company down in Mexico. It's like, you know, did you, you know, some of you, anybody know? I used to train some undercover officers when I was training. So I, I used to have a bunch of them that, that I had like a man crush on them. I was like, man, this thing got the coolest job. You know what I mean? They work out and they do these trainings and they're such good shape, but they run around looking like bikers and drug dealers and all this stuff and they're undercover cops. Or DEA agents, really, is who they were, the ones I trained. But, um, but it's, just, it's just like everybody has a cover in this life. You know? And yeah, we just work here. It's, it's, it's the kingdom of heaven. Our purpose is to live by faith with this reality. That everything's been framed by the word of God. Every position of success even comes from our obedience to the voice of the Lord. God promotes us in this natural world. Natural, good, real positions. As we're called to be blessed and be fruitful and multiply. But also it positions us to encounter other people with the unseen kingdom. With the reality of who God truly is. That he's love and who they truly are. And to speak into them. Our platform, our circles of influences, are the places in which we are in, plugged in in this matrix or in this plastic world. 
but they're places God's given us spheres of authority to, to manifest the reality that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. At hand, meaning it's actually here. And to come back to the reality of that guy named Jacob who got a name changed to Israel, that's like, oh my gosh, God's actually here and I didn't know it. You know, but the spirit has been poured out over all flesh, over all the entire world. You know, if you believe Acts 2, you know what I mean, Joel 2, this thing has been released, so there's no place that God is not. But there's many people that don't, their minds haven't been unlocked to this reality yet. And we encounter them on a daily basis, y'all. Everywhere. But coming to the beloved of God, Philip being covered and even known and spoken into by God causes us, we've got to carry the same revelation in our own hearts in order to be effective in our community and in our world. Nathaniel answered, you're the son of God. And Jesus is like, wow, just because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. <laughs> Jesus is like, man, that, wow, I really got you. Must have really tagged you right there. <laughs> Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. Most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. So he literally goes and he quotes. One, he calls himself the Son of Man, which is the God-man of Daniel 7. So there's that. But he literally quotes Genesis 28. He references the ladder of Jacob with the angels descending. Like, just like David, I mean, I'm sorry, Jacob, who lost his mind, in a sense, he laid down and put his head upon a rock. He, put his, he rested his carnal mind and took upon my mind. And when, when that happened, he actually saw heaven was open in this place. He saw the house of God. He saw the gateway of heaven. He saw Yahweh himself. And he saw messengers who went up and went down. It's like he's calling himself that ladder. He's calling himself that gateway. He's calling himself that house. And every single one of these Jewish guys that's standing around him knows their national history. And they're just like, you're going to see what? Like, oh, so I'm going to have that same dream that he had? Like, like, no, 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 you're going to see them ascending and ascending on me. You know, you're going to see, like, what? There's a new portal that's open. There's a new gateway that's open. And this is Christianity. There's nothing that's not mystical and spiritual about this walk. There's just not except for Christians that actually shut their, shut their minds off to it. That, that's the only thing. But there's nothing that's not supernatural about the reality of this walk. And Jesus is, is, is literally telling him this. You're going to see something happen in me and because of me where there are people who have access to go into heaven and come back from heaven. It's like there's a people who are called to step into this walk who go there grab its things and manifest those things here. And Jesus walks around doing these things. He walks around on top of water in front of his guys. You can't walk on water. I mean, I, I don't think you can, but it's like, what are you, what are you walking on? He walking on something. He's walking on something there, but it wasn't water. I, I don't know. He told Peter to get out and Peter walked on it. Or Peter walked on his word when he told him to get on it. But he comes and he does these things that trump the reality of the laws of physics and the laws of this world. He takes them constantly to deserted places. 
He takes them out into the middle of nowhere, just like he did Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And he takes them to the middle of nowhere because he's the God of the wilderness, El Shaddai. And, and he takes them out there and he says, let's give them some food. And it's like, hey, there ain't, there ain't, no, there ain't no Costco out here, man. There's no way to feed a thousand or five thousand people or ten. You know, this doesn't work. And, and here we have this ladder or this stairway picture of him like, well, hold on, I'll be right back. And it's like, where are you grabbing those? Where's that food coming from? But it's coming from somewhere, you know. He, he, he constantly is demonstrating this reality of like, hey, there's goods, there's resources, there's things of heaven that can be taken out of the unseen realm and manifested into this realm. Amen. And then I said Paul, but I mean, who knows who wrote Hebrews? That's one of those, you know, people don't know. Could have even been a girl. How about that? But, you know, uh, some people think about, but, you know, you got people talking about like faith is the substance, the evidence, the conviction of that which is unseen, the proof. It's just like they, they're going in and out and bringing back proof of the reality of this place that they can't see with their eyes. And then people are grabbing a hold of that reality by faith and it's becoming their true life. And then they're building their life on that kingdom in this world and that reality starts to take over this world until the all of earth looks like heaven and now we have Christianity. Now we have the actual plan of what this looks like. We have the actual, we have the, the description of what, God, of what God's house looks like. Jacob said it, you know, this is, this is the gate of heaven. This is the house of God. It's like the house of the Lord, man. It is not, this is not, it's not a system. If you haven't noticed, and it, you know, it's like, it's not a place where we can get together and be sheltered so our families and our children are not contaminated by the world. Well, at least we'll be safe and our kids won't be on drugs and hopefully we'll raise them good enough to when they get their college, at least six years of college, they'll go out and be squeaky clean, you know what I mean? And um, they won't be tainted, you know? And it's like, but when Jesus talked about what, on this rock, I'll build my church, and he's making these same references of his house. He says, on this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. So it wasn't like, I'll build my church and hell won't be able to penetrate their gates and you'll be safe all the days of your life. And we'll just, we'll just build it, we'll stack it up and we'll never take any land, but it'll, we'll just keep growing up, up, up. You know what I'm saying? It's like, no, the gates of hell, all that which came in through the fall of man, everything that's erected demonically over the entire world, Paul called them principalities and powers, all of this stuff that has rule and reign, which Jesus has paid for us to step on the head of, the gates of hell won't prevail against heaven's gates, flooding them and flooding the earth. This thing's supposed to go out this way, you know. So his house, his, his place was a place of connection to him where there's access to that which is of heaven and release of heaven on the earth. It's a place where we're trained and equipped in this reality to step into the giftings and calling of heaven. We're transformed in our own vessels, but we also transform the vessels that were around, the people that were around in our daily life, you know, it's 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 not about safety. There is there is no greater safety than abiding in Him. But everywhere He drug His disciples, seemed to be like super sketchy scenarios. <laughs> you know what I mean? On the regular, but they were in Him and they were with Him. Where do you dwell? What is it that what is it that you're doing? Where do you live? And it's like, come and see. Come and see. 
the angels in the, were ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. You're gonna see, you're gonna see access granted. You're gonna see heaven open. That's what he's telling Philip. That's what he's telling Nathaniel. It's like you're gonna see heaven opened up in such a profound way that people are accessing it from the ground and bringing its reality back to the ground. They're gonna ascend and they're gonna descend. You're gonna see them doing it. Like you think this is important, you think this is good, this one little prophetic word of knowledge, you're gonna see heaven flooding earth through my messengers and my people because of what I'm doing. It's gonna blow your mind, Nathaniel. And certainly it did. I think Nathaniel's name is actually Bartholomew. I know that's kind of strange, but you know, that's just a little fun. Fun fact, so if anybody's pregnant with a baby boy, Bartholomew will be a good name for him. Maybe, I don't know, or maybe Nathaniel. But, uh, you know, but yeah, so, yeah, that's, that's, that's what, there's, there's that. Nathaniel was known. He stepped into the identity of who God was, and by seeing Jesus speaking into his true identity, it, it woke him up, and he started to manifest heaven everywhere that he went. And it doesn't matter how profound with the gifts of the Spirit, how many explosions or bangs happen, just the simplicity of speaking into the reality of somebody's person can unlock them. Our words are powerful in this life. You know what I'm saying? Are powerful in this life. There's something to being able to see. Jesus is telling me, you'll be able to, you will see these things. Because there's this principle in the Bible, that which you see by faith means you have access to manifest it. And it's, you know... Elisha got Elijah's mantle because he saw it. He said, well, Elijah said, well, if you see it, you can have it. If you see it, if God allows you to see it, you can have it. There's something that, that faith in, as an imager and as a human being, the ability to see something in the spirit that's been shown to you by the Lord means that there's access for us by faith to make room for it to land in this reality. And that which we see when we see people through the eyes of love and we see people for who they truly are and we recognize them, we have authority to speak that thing that is not as though it is because it's true and it's pure and it's your dad's voice and it's your dad's vision. You know what I'm saying? This is how this thing works. I'll close one last thing. Um, a story I was thinking about this and they were singing about it. Everything you are is who I want to be. I was working. This is, man, this is 15 or so years ago. Maybe 20. Yeah, it was a long time ago. 15 probably. But I was working at a YMCA. Young Men's Christian Association. Very, it was not very Christian association the one I was at. It was just kind of secular. But I was working at a gym, right? Back when I was first a trainer. So maybe 15, maybe 20 years ago. And um, I had just started my training company. And I just started training clients in a private studio. But I was still finishing up at the YMCA. So I'd work shifts there. I was basically like a lifeguard, right? I would just, you know, people would walk in. And, and I was wearing like a fanny pack with, with a first aid kit, you know what I mean, in case somebody fell doing squats, I guess, I don't know. So I just kind of stood there all day. But anyways, so they'd walk in, and I had to put people through workouts there as well. And so this lady, she was a new member, she comes and she sits down next to me, and, and in this phase in my life, I started walking in the things of the kingdom in such a profound way that I did not believe that I worked at the YMCA. I did, and I got a check there, but I didn't believe I was there to just get a check and to be there. I was there to speak life and be kind and show the fruit of the Spirit and the love of God to everybody that I, that I encountered. Amen. And it's been this way my whole life. In all the jobs that I've had, I've had so much blessing and promotion. And 
every time where it got to the point, this is a side note, that, that I was doing more ministry in the job, not, not in like an annoying way, pushing things down people's throat, but just actually loving people, being salty a little bit, which the salt of the earth, like, you know, you gotta have, we, we can't push stuff down people's throat. We gotta just be, be loved to them. But the more that that would start to really stir in my secular workplaces was always right before I'd get promoted or move jobs, or I'd get promoted in the job. It's just the way it always was. And so it was very much like this because I just started my own company, so I was phasing out of the hourly work and stuff. And, you know, I was a young guy and, and this lady, and I, and I was constantly either giving prophetic words or ministering to people or just, you know, just kindness, whatever. And this lady comes and she sits at my kiosk that I, I had to put her through a, pro, a computer program through this workout. I was like, hey, you know, I'm going to call her, you know, Jan, just make up a name. I said, hey, Jan, how's it going? You know, she's, and I was like, all right, well, how are you? You know, just, and it was just like, well, I'm, I'm not good. And, and, you know, it's, it's like kind of, that was a rhetorical question. That's kind of like you say, hello, nice to see you. Nice to see you. And we get going, you know what I mean? But I was just being kind and, and she just started to speak to me about her life and, um, out in the open, you know, we're in the public and, and it was one of those, I used to train people with one workout and put them through the computer system. And then that's all I did at the YMCA. And so she starts sharing, she's like, I'm just having so much trouble, having so much trouble with my stepson. It's like gonna ruin our family's life. And I'm, I'm constantly sad, I'm constantly depressed, you know. And she just kind of like, ever have somebody just vomit on you like that? Just bleh, just spew out everything that's going on with them. And you're just like, man, I'm, I'm 25 years old, lady. I, I don't know, I, like, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know these things would have been the, the right uh, way to respond. But as she started to speak to me, I felt this reality of, 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 of Ephesians 1. You were in him before the foundation of the world. Your identity is truly in him. And I just started to speak, which what I would have considered like a low-level prophetic ministry or whatever. It wasn't even that great. I just started to speak to the lady about who she truly was. I was like, well, that's not true. And she just kind of like, huh? And I was like, and I asked her, I was like, are you a Christian? And she's like, yeah. I was like, oh. I was like, well, listen, your personality is the fruit of the Spirit of God. I was like, you're full of joy. You love people. You have peace, like kindness and goodness. That's your real person. Like you, you, the reason you feel this way about yourself because you have a gift to make, to make other people feel at home. You know, you're a light that walks into a room and brightens other people's day. And so I just gave her like a very basic, almost like a fruit of the spirit paragraph. Like it wasn't prophetic. I didn't have the girl's name. I didn't see her under a fig tree an hour ago. You were under a fig tree an hour ago, weren't you? You know what I mean? Nothing like this. And um, this lady, this lady breaks. And it's like, oh, okay, you know, what's going on here? And she's like, she's like, you're right. That's who I really am. She's like, I was always the life of the party. I've always been happy my whole life. I was like, well, you still are now. Like all that stuff that you feel and these circumstances and then the enemies in your head and trying to make you feel like you're somebody or not, but that's who you truly are. That's just the real you. And it sounds simple, but it was so profound to the lady. Did her measurements, did her stuff, put her on certain different, you know, showed her through machines. There's this computer system called FitLinks. It would fit people's body. It was supposed to be high tech and all these things. Yeah, I took her through that. It was a good day, you know. Nice to see you, good, you know, good to meet you. What I would consider, and you guys have heard some of my stories, it was one of my lower 
it wasn't it wasn't gunslinger DT like yeah that was a pop that popped off you know what I mean? this was just like one of the lower level just deals and um she she comes back maybe a week later I see her again she's like you don't understand like she's like I've been I went to church that weekend and I cried through the message the whole time like God I was like yeah that's the Lord he's breaking this thing off of you the reality of who he says you are is yeah it's setting in She's like, I've been in a good mood this whole time. She's like, my husband wants to meet you. And I was like, oh, okay. And he's like, who's this Daniel guy? Who's this guy? What are you talking to? He counseling you? What is this? And I was like, whoa, you know. And he was this big, beefy guy that worked for UPS. I remember that. So he'd come in and lift weights at night. Sometimes I would see him. It was cool. But um, he's like, I got to meet this guy. He's like, I just want to shake his hand. Golly, talk to him more often. You know what I mean? Because she's kind of being difficult. You know, the past few months, I was like, man, I got to talk to this guy. And I wasn't nobody. I mean, I wasn't. I didn't have a microphone to speak in like I do now. I wasn't fan. I wasn't wearing fancy yellow clothes like this. Like I was just a regular trashy kid, just like you know, you know. I wasn't in ministry at all, really. And um, so I'm just speaking the truth of of identity. Behold, you're an Israelite. There ain't no deceit in you. That's the real you. You know what I mean? And it and it was a bullseye, man. Come back in. She's like, I cried through church again all week. She's like, but it's lasted. I've been happy this whole time. Like two weeks. Three weeks, three weeks. I've been happy this whole time. Like da, 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 da. the stuff with my grandson, it's me and my stepson are getting along. Like everything's going good. Da, da, da. About a month later, she comes back. She's like, my pastor invited me to speak. He he asked me to actually give my testimony at church this week. So then you got this lady at a Baptist church pulling a Dan Moeller testimony. This is who I am. I'm happy now. I've got the fruit of the spirit. This is who God says I am. And I'm not sure if she said the YMCA guy told me this or not. I don't know. I don't. I didn't ask. But it's like I had this experience with the Lord, and it's breaking me down. I can barely sit through church service. The Lord's touched me so much. I'm crying. She's like, and this is a Baptist church. People don't do that. People don't sit there and weep during church. Like, what's wrong with her? And that's what she said. People are looking like, what's wrong with her? She's like, hey, nothing's wrong with me. I'm happy. I'm crying because I'm happy. And so this is a real story. It's not one of those, you know. So no, yeah. But I'm just like thinking like. I'm seeing this transformation, this lady, and like after the few weeks that this, this happens, and she comes back and tells me this, and I, was work, I remember I was working on a, I think it was on a Sunday or, or, or a random day that I didn't normally work, and I was coming back from the gym thinking like, man, that was cool. Or, or no, the lady, it, I, I believe it was on a Sunday that this happened, and I never worked Sundays, but I was covering a shift, and so that's how I met her. So I knew it was, man, this is really the Lord. And I remember Nicole was driving home from work one day, and I was at the new studio that I had just basically inherited to start my training business where I was making in an hour what I made at the whole dang YMCA shift, nonprofit, you know, whatever. So anyway, so I was, you know, it was a great upgrade for me, but uh, I was in the gym at my personal training studio and Nicole was driving home. And this is after the lady came, come to me and like, the pastor has got me up to speak. I'm crying through church. I'm sharing people what our nature is and all these things. You know, she's actually, she's a, she's a minister. She's a preacher now, I guess, you know, whatever. And Nicole's driving on her way home and she calls me at the studio. She's like, DT, I just had the weirdest experience driving home. She was coming home from work. I was already there. And she's like, I was just driving. I wasn't even trying to have this or anything. And I had an experience where I was, it was like I was with the Lord looking down on the earth. And the Lord said, will you go? Will you go for me? She's like, it was like it was before time. And I said, yes, I will go. Even with everything that I will go through, I, I will go in order to be a light for you and live for you. She's like, it's, it's like I, 
It's like I saw myself, my true self, like agreeing to come here. And I was like, yeah, just come to the studio real quick. I got to tell you something just happened to me, this, this lady at the YMCA, man. You know what I mean? It was like, I told her like, this is the real you before time and space. This is the real, you know, Ephesians one, you were in him before the foundation of the world. The, the way you always truly were starting to come alive and manifest. And so she comes to my, come my, to my studio, where I was and she's all broken up teary eyed and which is just random that kind of stuff didn't happen especially with that vision and all that stuff and I'm like well listen to this I just told this lady this stuff remember that lady and this happened and that happened and and so we're both like having this thing solidified in us before I even I mean I studied the Bible and stuff like that back then but I didn't realize how profound it was Jesus seeing Nathaniel like this is who you are in me this is your reality Everything that comes up to try to convince you, even out of you, that that's not who you are, you take those thoughts captive and you submit them to the reality of who I am because everything that I am is in you and you're from me and this is your reality. This is your person. It doesn't mean we justify dark things in our life or when we manifest darkness. It means that we take ownership of those things. It's called repentance. Have a change of mind saying, hey, this is not me. This is something I'm manifesting, but I know it doesn't line up with who you are, so I know inside of me it doesn't belong. Would you lead me into the truth of this reality? And when we manifest the wholeness of this reality, this is the simplicity of the kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. It's us as the vessels we're called to be unlocked and we're touching people and we're touching, we're making disciples. Disciples is not like if you don't, if you don't say this prayer, you're going to go to hell forever because God is love, but he wants to torment you forever if you don't say this prayer with me and come to my club. You know, it's like, yeah, no, no, that's not it. You're, yeah, but you're a sinner and you've got to own that. Like, no, not in the Bible either. This is what this is. You're beloved of God. You're created. You're in him before the foundation of the world. We've taken on a nature and an identity that's not ours, but we can change. We can have a mindset change because of who he truly is. He loves us. He values us. The real you is called to arise and shine in the world and touch the world. And when we make disciples, it's people saying, I want what you got. Yeah. Apologetics, you know what I'm saying? Always, always be ready to give an answer. For what? For the hope that's in you. We should be so full of hope and joy and passion that people are like, what is that? Why do you have that? We should have to give an answer for the level of hope that we have. But we got to debate them. No. No, it's not in there either. Look, it's, it's, it's we are called to live a life of wholeness, man, that people want what we have. We're called to inspire people to not want us, to want him, to want what we have in him. And the good news is, it's there for you, man. It's free. It's a gift. I didn't do nothing to get it either. 